The Archibald Prize, founded over a hundred years ago in 1921, is arguably Australia's most prestigious art award. It's a portrait prize given every year and challenges some of Australia's best artists to capture the aura of interesting Australians. It is named after J.F. Archibald, who was the trustee at the Art Gallery of New South Wales, and that gallery still administers the prize. The main award is judged by the Art Gallery of New South Wales' current Board of Trustees. The subjects of the Archibald can be anyone, but it's usually a distinguished Australian. The great thing about the Archibald is how wild it can be. Stray portraits that simply show how a person looks tend to do less well. Some sort of invention, mixed with the reputation or the story of the subject, leads to breathtaking work every year. Politicians, actors, sports people and artists are often painted. Over the 100-year history, many Australian musicians have sat for an Archibald entry. From before the 90s, there's heroes like Paul Kelly, Don Walker, Jimmy Barnes and Peter Garrett. After the 90s, fantastically, it's dominated by women like Sarah Blasco, Megan Washington and Missy Higgins. In more recent years, the diverse face of Australian music is on show with Elfresh the Lion, Briggs and even one four. Only one painting featuring a musician has ever won the award. That's Sam Leach's painting of Tim Minchin, who won in 2010. But even the Archibald has an alternative prize. It's called the Packing Room Prize, and it's voted by the team that work at the art gallery. The people who work in the gallery's packing room, who administer and handle and hang the actual works. The works that win that award are even more cutting edge than the main prize. Of the Australian 90s alternative world, there's been a few subjects of Archibald Prize paintings over the century. Both UMI's Tim Rogers and Silverchair's Daniel Johns have been painted twice, long after they became famous and well after the 90s. Dave Graney and Claire Moore were painted in 2012. There's only one Australian 90s alternative musician that was painted in the actual 90s. And that painting by Bill Leake won the Packing Room Prize. It was a portrait of someone who shot to fame in the 90s and quickly became a famous face in Australian music, possibly because he has a great face. That man is Tex Perkins, who fronted The Cruel Sea, Beasts of Bourbon and much more. Tall, captivating, powerful and wild, he seemed destined to be a rock star. But his restlessness meant he couldn't be pinned down or put into easy boxes. It cost him greater fame, but it made him one of the most interesting figures in Australian 90s music, almost immediately. Welcome to Just Ace, a podcast about the 90s Australian alternative music scene, whatever the hell that means. This week we look at Tex Perkins, Beasts of Bourbon, The Cruel Sea, and the 700 other bands he's been in. Gregory Stephen Perkins was born on the 28th of December 1964 in Darwin, but spent most of his formative years in Brisbane. Greg kicked around in some bands in Brisbane, including one called Tex Deadly and the Dum Dums. Tex Deadly wasn't Greg, it was just part of a cool sounding band name, but people quickly made the assumption that Greg was Tex Deadly, and the name stuck. Tex didn't fight it. I mean, how many rock stars are there named Greg? Tex Perkins has a number of clear talents if you want to get all careers advisor about it. First and foremost, he knew how to get a room going. He's not simply a party guy, his very presence sets the tone of the room. 
Second, he was gifted with a beautiful low drawl and he could sing with attitude. Third, he was full of ideas and was good at forming bands and drawing creative people around him. Fourth, he had a really good pair of manly shoulders and arms matched with a good head of hair. Basically, he was the perfect Australian music frontman. Tex grew up loving music and he had a voracious appetite. At home, his parents loved country music and it was a well that Tex would often return to. But Tex seemed to know that he needed to adapt to changing times. In 80s Brisbane was a hub for some wild pioneering bands in a scene that was very much underground. Tex moved to Sydney in 1982, aged 18, and plugged straight into the local music scene. There followed stints in bands with names like Salamander Jim, The Bumhead Orchestra, Corpse of Christ, and Toilet Duck. Another, Thug, had a legendary single called Dad that is probably the most hilariously offensive thing you've ever heard. His Dad by Thug, released on Black Eye Records, which was the uncommercial arm of the already quite uncommercial and alternative Red Eye Records. Red Eye Records would be Texas' recording home throughout the 80s and 90s. The label was started by John Foy in 1985, who Tex lived with in the early 80s. Foy had worked in record stores and did poster artwork for bands. Red Eye was associated with the Sydney Independent Record Store of the same name. One of Red Eye's biggest bands was Beasts of Bourbon. They formed in 1983 and they were essentially a supergroup of other Red Eye bands. Drummer James Baker had the first release on Red Eye and was part of the James Baker experience. Baker was the drummer in the noise punk band The Scientists that also featured Kim Salmon and Boris Sudovic. All three would be in Beasts of Bourbon. Salmon would also record other albums for Red Eye. And then there was Spencer P. Jones, the brilliant guitarist from The Johnnies. And finally up front was Text, who didn't have the resume of the others, but knew how to be a frontman. They released a debut album on The Green Label, founded by Roger Grierson, who managed The Johnnies, and Stuart Coop, who managed Paul Kelly. It was called The Axeman's Jazz, and it was released in 1984, a year before Red Eye started. The Axeman's Jazz would be reissued on Red Eye as one of their first ever releases. The debut single was an incredible cover of a Leon Payne song. Here is Psycho by Beasts of Bourbon. Don't you mama? Mama pour me a cup. You think I'm psycho, don't you mama? 
It was with Beasts that many people first saw the power of Tex Perkins. They were rough and rollicking with a great live show. Their guitars were noisy and they weren't made for commercial radio or TV appearances. The Axman's jazz didn't threaten the charts or the mainstream. They were a dangerously good time pub band. Beasts were a side project for these supergroup members until the Scientists and the Johnnies both broke up. And then they became the main project for several of the men, including Tex. Two albums were released in quick succession that marked Beasts of Bourbons at their notorious peak, 1988's Sour Mash and 1990's Black Milk. Both were released on Red Eye and both, again, were very much indie releases, although big ones that topped the independent charts. One track from Sour Mash was actually a cover of a song by The Butcher Shop, another Red Eye band that Tex was part of and released earlier in 1988. Basically, Beasts of Bourbon were taking songs from wherever they could find them. Here's the original Butcher Shop version of Hard To You. think about you sometimes and I go to call you up on the telephone And if my call is through to you I hope it finds you weeping and you're all alone I want to ruin your whole life I need to hear you cry I'm gonna make it hard for you Here's the Beasts of Bourbon version of Hard For You, first released on their album Sour Mash in 1988. I think about you sometimes and I go to call you up on the telephone. The Beast of Bourbon toured internationally at the time, and Red Eye managed to get the albums released in Europe. The band quickly connected with like-minded Australians in the UK, notably Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. That was about as good as it got for an Australian indie band in the late 80s, but then the 90s came along and things changed. But I first heard The Beasts of Bourbon at album number four. That album was 1991's The Low Road, which featured the single Chase the Dragon. Here's Beasts of Bourbon with Chase the Dragon from their 1991 album The Low Road, first released on Red Eye Records. Yeah. 
Chase the Dragon used to be on Rage all the time, and I was way too young when I first watched it. Even now the film clip just brings back the feeling of having the shit scared out of me in the middle of the night. What is this evil stuff? Tex is singing about heroin too. We are very far from Kelly Street. The Low Road also benefited from these new shows like Rage and the newly national Triple J and the new distribution deal that Red Eye had signed with Polydor. They also played the first few Big Day Out festivals. Added to that was a new rhythm section with Brian Hooper on bass and Tony Poehler on drums. The Low Road was also their first with a proper producer, with Tony Cohen manning the dials. The band even made some demos and when they recorded the album, they knew what they were doing. This was definitely a step up from the indie recordings of their earlier albums. The Low Road became their first album to chart, making it to number 85 in the ARIA Albums chart. But Beast of Bourbon took long periods off, and Tex wasn't one to sit on his hands. He was also surrounded by much more famous members than him, and Beasts of Bourbon wasn't exactly the Tex show. Tex had time to do more outside of Beasts, so he started doing lights for a new instrumental band and wrote some lyrics for their songs. The band, named after a 60s surf instrumental by a band called The Ventures, was called The Cruel Sea. I like the idea of the lighting tech that ends up fronting the band. I wonder if Tex Perkins is the hero of lighting techs everywhere. I wonder if the boardroom for the Lighting Techs Association has an ornately framed portrait of Tex Perkins. The Cruel Sea's first album was Down Below, which was released on Red Eye in 1989. But Red Eye at this time wasn't the same as the label that started working with Beasts of Bourbon in the mid-80s. They were now in bed with Polydor, and by the early 90s they were looking for other hit bands. Like any other indie label, they were trying to survive the times by getting bigger. There's some great tracks on Down Below, and the album did well. I love the title track, which really fused those surf guitar roots into alternative rock. He's Down Below by The Cruel Sea. In 1999, First Nations country soul legend Jimmy Little released a fine covers album called Messenger. It featured great songs and plenty from the indie side of Australian music, and it opened with his version of Down Below. It's a fabulous reading, all deep and dark and romantic. Here's Jimmy Little with his take on the cruel seas Down Below. Blow away Blow away down below away Down below Into a down below away When you fall asleep Fall with me down into the deep When you fall asleep Fall with me down into, down below, alone in your... The Crossy's second album, 1991's This Is Not The Way Home, featured the band pushing more into conventional rock, with great songs like It's Alright, Cause She Loves Me, 
and the title track where the band tries to act in the film clip. It was produced by Tony Cohen, who had also produced The Row Road by Beast of Bourbon. Here's This Is Not The Way Home by The Cruel Sea. Home charted at number 62. Both it and The Low Road would end up amongst the highest selling alternative albums of 1991 and 1992. Now, Tex had his first child in 1990. I mention this because it shows not just the age difference, but the life stage difference between him and other bands that broke in the 90s. In contrast, Angie Hardafrente was 17 going on 18, and the members of Silverchair were not even 15 yet. But a child and a daughter named Tuesday meant that Tex started to grow up and perhaps take his career slightly more seriously as the 90s rolled around. When Beasts of Bourbon disbanded again in 1991, he was free to devote his time to the Cruel Sea and really make a go of it. The album that followed was 1993's The Honeymoon Is Over, and that title track is a monster. Here's The Honeymoon Is Over by The Cruel Sea. Well, you can't sleep in my bed no more You can't ride in my car I won't let you go for me, baby It's never gonna get that far I'm gonna send you back to wherever the hell it was you came And then I'm gonna get this tattoo Change to another girl's name Oh, it ain't no fun no more I don't know what to say Honeymoon is Over, the album, is a classic Australian album. I've talked a lot about Tex, but the Cruel Sea are a five-headed beast. Just one head had the biggest mouth. In Danny Rumor, who was born Danny Aikens, they had an incredible guitar player not tied to the same old blues solos. That surf guitar roots of the Cruel Sea comes from Danny, and he would bring variety and colour in his guitar playing, making them unique, especially as the indie scene drifted more and more into straight rock. Rumor also cut his teeth on punk and was not afraid to thrash it out. They also didn't have the straight-ahead rock rhythm section. Drummer Jim Elliott brought far more groove than blunt power. Bass player Ken Gormley added more sexiness with his adventurous bass, at times caressing and at other times thrusting hard. Rumor, Elliott and Gormley had all been in a band together called Secret Secret. And then there's James Cruikshank, born James Watson. He was basically whatever you needed in a fight. He was an incredibly versatile guitar player, and that versatility was a hallmark of the Cruel Sea. He was also a funky keyboard player and a brave harmony singer, trying to follow Tex as many diversions. He'd play an open-tuned guitar with a slide, then switch to keys and sing. I have a soft spot for on-stage multi-instrumentalists, and Cruikshank was one of the best, especially in an era when swapping roles wasn't cool. Writing and recording is a band effort. 
As the music suggests, the band likes to jam and to find grooves and the songs in those jams. The Honeymoon Is Over showcases everything great about them. The album is thick with grooves, while the players pluck colours and atmospheres from their guitars. Above it all, swaggering the shit out of proceedings is Tex. Tex doesn't get the credit for being a great lyricist, but he is a killer for a memorable character built on memorable details. The line, I'm gonna get this tattoo changed to another girl's name, tells us so much about the character in this song. Randy Newman would be proud. The single Black Stick did even better than The Honeymoon Is Over, charting at number 25 and would ultimately be their highest charting single. And both those songs crossed over into commercial radio. You can hear why. They both sound like a million bucks. Again, produced by Tony Cohen, he tried deliberately to make the singles radio friendly. And it worked. From the album The Honeymoon Is Over, here's The Cruel Sea with Black Stick. It's an album rich in detail, rich in texture, and rich in character. And it's not a head exercise, it's an album for the hips. Australia was eager to embrace what The Cruel Sea had to offer. The Honeymoon Is Over peaked at number four in the album charts. Triple J loved it, with The Honeymoon Is Over voted the highest of three Cruel Sea tracks, making the 1993 Hottest 100. It was the most entries for any artist, Australian or otherwise. Young, hip Australia loved The Cruel Sea. They also killed it at the ARI Awards, walking away with three of them, Album of the Year, Single of the Year, and Best Group. Tony Cohen won an award for producing. Oh yeah, and the album went triple platinum, the first Australian alternative album to do so. It went beyond the music. Tex became a star. He was on the cover of both Rolling Stone Australia and Juice magazine. Every list from 1994 of best band or best live act or anything was topped by The Cruel Sea. When the actual Rolling Stones themselves were organising their Australian tour in 1994, they asked their promoter to just get them the biggest new band in Australia. So of course, the Cruel Sea got the show. But that level of fame didn't sit easy with these men from the punk scene. Their dickhead radar was lighting up the night sky. They didn't give a shit about Arias and actually lost two of them straight away at the after party. The band turned down $80,000 for the use of a song in an ad for a Mars bar for fear of selling out. The Cruel Sea came from the indie world. Fuck the masses. Overseas tours came along and connections were made. One particular connection was Kurt Cobain. In Australia, in 1993, the race was on to anoint some poor schmuck the Australian Kurt Cobain with the weight of expectations that that carried. Tex was one of the names bandied about, and around this time he was invited to see Nirvana play Saturday Night Live in New York. Backstage afterwards, he was overwhelmed by the smoozing scene, with the biggest band in the world on the most popular TV show in America. 
He left, alone, and went back to his New York hotel room and watched The Twilight Zone. That was September 1993. By April 1994, Kurt Cobain would be dead. It was a major moment for Tex, who looked into the heart of fame and turned away. The honeymoon was over. It's worth noting that in 1993, Tex was involved in another album and group. Even at the height of the Cruel Sea's success, he was unable to hold down just two bands. Called Tex, Don and Charlie, this new band featured Tex with Cold Chisel's Don Walker and in-demand sideman and guitar legend Charlie Owen. If The Honeymoon Is Over is the heart of Saturday Night, then Tex, Don and Charlie's debut, Sad But True, was In The Wee Small Hours. It was also released on Red Eye to much smaller fanfare, but it would be a fan favourite. Sad But True leans heavily on ballads, with Charlie Owen's expressive guitar stopping it from being too much of a downer. Here's Text On and Charlie with What I Done To Her. And your tenderness And how the likes of me Are blind to see They have the very best But it's alright Of this you can be sure done to For those counting, by 1993, Tex had been in three acclaimed bands who released something in the 90s. After the rush of success and all the good and bad that came with it, the Cruel Sea made a course change. Whereas The Honeymoon Is Over was embracing and fun for all, the follow-up, 1995's Three-Legged Dog, was a conscious attempt to shed some of their mainstream audience. It was a far more aggressive record and a very non-mainstream album cover, a really mean-looking three-legged dog. The CD also came in a weird neon green jewel case. It made the album stand out, but it also highlighted how everything is just a little bit off about this album. Better Get a Lawyer, the first single, is incredible and incredibly nasty. The band are playing all over it. It's loud, clanging and abrasive, yet it works completely. He's Better Get a Lawyer by the Cruel Sea. was angry my friends. The aftermath of the honeymoon is over caused everyone to be on edge. The fame brought pressure and they dealt with that pressure with drugs and drinking everything. The Cruel Sea were never the tightest of friends 
They were simply mates that knew each other from the same scene. And under the lights, the relationships began to frazzle. It's all over the music of Three-Legged Dog. The album is full of aggression. A lot of the songs were written on the fly with emotions raw. Too Fast For Me sounds like someone holding back a panic attack on a plane. Anyone But You was another single, and it's a classic Everybody Wants A Piece Of Me song. Overall, the album lacked the cohesion of The Honeymoon Is Over, and probably deliberately so. But on the other hand, it was a time when bands like Metallica and Faith No More were kind of pop bands. And there were still captivating Tex Perkins. The album got to number one and it nabbed them another best group aria the next year. The Cruel Sea was still huge. And there was no time to stop. Next came an American and European release of The Honeymoon Is Over, which ultimately led to very little. The band were unwilling to do the grind of overseas touring, and the band members had families and lives. Also, not all was well behind the scenes. The infighting got worse, and Crickshank got into a car accident and was subbed out for a few gigs. The band took a break, of sorts. The Krulsi actually returned to their pre-honeymoon days and did gigs without their singer. Tex, fed up with the whole thing anyway, turned his eye to other projects. He made a solo record released in 1996 called Far Be It From Me. The first single was You're Too Beautiful. Here's You're Too Beautiful by Tex Perkins. When I wake up, I open my old tired eyes. My vision's filled with beauty. My nightmare quickly dies. You fill my head so there's no room for me or someone else. You are my life's distraction. Probably no good my health, baby. You're too beautiful. You're just too beautiful. You're too beautiful. So beautiful it hurts. Tex Perkins going solo highlights the main battle of Texas Korea, which is, what is a Tex Perkins? Far Be It From Me is a solemn record. Outside of the Cruel Sea and the Beasts, it tried to reframe Tex Perkins as a sensitive singer-songwriter. There's a film clip for the song Splendid Lie that features Tex sitting on a stool playing a guitar. The guitar looks impossibly small and Tex looks like he's about to smash it and crawl over the crowd and steal someone's beer and pour it over himself. But he doesn't. But he doesn't. And the album didn't make the top 40. That didn't deter Tex. Red Eye put out a B-Sides album for The Cruel Sea in 1995. A live Texton and Charlie album was released in the same year. Later, there was an unreleased Thug album, and then another reunion with Beasts of Bourbon with a new album called Gone in 1996. Tex wasn't going to stop. The Cruel Sea made one more record before the decade was out called Over Easy, released in 1998. Old animosities were put away and the pressures of the music world had faded. They also returned as respected older statesmen of the alternative scene, with a new generation of Triple J listeners ready to discover them. If The Honeymoon Is Over is a cool breeze on a summer night, and Three-Legged Dog is an aggressive, abrasive thunderstorm, well then Over Easy is the cruel sea at their most beautiful. It's sinking a beer in the mid-afternoon sun. I think this is a wonderful album, and perhaps their best after The Honeymoon Is Over, if not better. The first single, Hard Times, mixes hard rockin' riffs, gospel escapism, and a killer backing vocal by James Cruikshanks. 
It's turned into an anthem for the band. It's full of hooks and I can listen to that guitar sound all day. Here's the cruel sea with hard times. adjusted band didn't lose their humour either. The single You'll Do features Tex Perkins in drag, a tribute to Queen's film clip for I Want to Break Free. Without the aggression and paranoia that marked Three-Legged Dog, Overeasy showed the band at their natural best. It was also their first album not to be on Red Eye, which John Foy sold to Polydor in 1996. I imagine that Red Eye contract coming to an end meant that the label could release a best of. It was a pretty standard deal in the 90s that a major label album contract was for four or so albums and a best of. So in 1999, Polydor issued best ofs for most of the Red Eye bands, which were Clouds, Cruel Sea and Beasts of Bourbon. The Cruel Sea one was called The Most and it very much smells of a contractual obligation. The album cover was just a still from the Honeymoon Is Over film clip. Another great video was released for it called It Won't Last and it featured the Cruel Sea as a 90s boy band. But lyrically, it's one of those fame songs. It also reflected what music was by the end of the 90s. It was more NSYNC than Nirvana. And for Tex, after surviving being an ill-fitting Australian Kurt Cobain, it seemed layered with meaning. And it makes sense that this was the last new music he would make in the 90s. Here's It Won't Last by the Cruel Sea. There was one more album with The Cruel Sea, Where There's Smoke, was released in 2001. The Cruel Sea weren't a close-knit band, and without the record deal giving them a sense of shared purpose, they fell apart. There's been no new music from The Cruel Sea since 2001. Past the 90s, Tex Perkins has been active as ever, but there doesn't seem to be a main meal. It's all sides. The closest was a solo project called Tex Perkins and the Dark Horses that released two albums in the early 2000s, and five albums all up so far. There was a final Beast of Bourbon album in 2007, 
although many of them reunited in 2019 for an album under the name The Beasts. But of course there were others. An album with UMI's Tim Rogers called TNT, an 80s pop record called The Lady Boys, a series of Johnny Cash tribute shows, more text Don and Charlie, and whatever else occurred to the spinning head of Tex. The man who came to Sydney having already played in so many bands probably has more bands to go. 40 years into the game, it's still too early to find an easy label for Tex Perkins. If you wanted to follow the history of Australian independent music and study it through the eyes of one person, you probably couldn't do better than Tex Perkins. He was a Zelig-like figure in Australian music. He was in one of the great 80s bands in Beasts of Bourbon on a classic 80s label, Red Eye. He was with Red Eye in the Cruel Sea when they graduated to the majors and the industry changed around them in the 90s. He saw quick fame in the new scene and found himself a darling of the new Triple J and playing the new Big Day Out. He appeared on magazine covers, but he maintained that all-important 90s integrity. He later went directly to Polydor for a solo album as everyone was starting to question the indie imprint business and why these bands weren't all more successful. And he rode the wave into the next chapter of Channel V, Recovery and all the stuff that we will get to. As the 90s ended, he was a star, an elder statesman and immortalised in a Bill Leak painting. It's not undeserved either. Tex Perkins is the greatest frontman in Australia in the 90s and one of the best Australia's ever produced. And Australia is full of great rock frontmen. In the 80s, you tripped over them in the street. But the 90s saw an indie humbleness creep in. A need to be credible and arty. Not that Tex wasn't credible. He just didn't need to tell you he was credible. And with the Cruel Sea, he took the alternative scene further into the mainstream than anyone so far. The fact that he wasn't far from a conventional rocker, and he wasn't perceived to be for teeny boppers like Ratcat or Frente, that surely helped. He won Arias the way that early Ruart bands did not, because the people who voted for Arias saw something familiar in him. The Honeymoon is Over is clearly a classic, and deserves all the plaudits it has received. Three-Legged Dog is a troubled, erratic record. Better are the earlier This Is Not The Way Home and the later Over Easy. Of all the big bands that we will talk about, the Cruel Seas were the one least enthralled by the shadow of Nirvana's sound, despite some execs wanting to position Tex as another Kurt Cobain. That best of compilation the most is pretty good and a pretty generous primer for the Cruel Sea. The best of for Beast of Bourbon is called Beyond Good and Evil. And there's also a best of Tex called Songs from My Black Cattle Dog, collecting various projects into one hugely erratic disc. The man has done a lot. I don't know exactly where to start with Tex, but maybe after all it is The Honeymoon Is Over. It is likeable in the best way and was recently reissued on vinyl for its 30th anniversary. The Cruel Sea have also announced shows for the first time in many years to celebrate the 30th anniversary of The Honeymoon Is Over. And speaking of likeable, Tex wrote a wonderfully charming memoir with writer Stuart Coop called Tex. This episode was about following the career of Tex Perkins, but he wouldn't have a career without his remarkable bandmates. Many of them were accomplished and respected before they joined the band with Tex and many of them made incredible work after Tex. This included new bands or solo work from Danny and James from the Cruel Sea. Ken Gormley co-owns one of Sydney's best cafes, the Petty Cash in Marrickville. Kim Salmon has had almost as many projects as Tex Perkins with bands like Antenna and The Business. James Cruikshank sadly passed away in 2015. Two members of Beasts of Bourbon have also left us, Brian Hooper and Spencer B. Jones, 
both died within a couple of months of each other in 2018. I remember being very confused as a teenager, watching Rage and seeing Beasts of Bourbon and the Cruel Sea songs with the same guy singing. What was going on? How can you even be in two bands at once? Was this even legal? But that's the nature of Tex. He works hard, but he can't seem to hold down a job. Just look at his 90s resume. He made three albums with Beasts of Bourbon, four with The Cruel Sea, two with Tex Dodd and Charlie, and a solo album. Add to that the compilation The Most that had a new track in 99. That's 11 albums in 10 years. What exactly did you do in the 90s? To end, from that last Cruel Sea album of the decade, Over Easy, this is the single Taken All Day. For my money, it's one of their best songs. It's smooth and groovy, but still has a growl in places. The keyboards come in and the sun shines. The sublime piece of Australian joy. He is Taken All Day by The Cruel Sea. Hear the children breaking bottles and spraying their names underneath the freeway. Don't you worry about your possessions. They don't want your TV anyway. You hear him say, hey. You've made it to the end bit. This is where I do the stuff about support and other things related to Just Ace. Every week I try to highlight something different. This week, let's talk about the website. If you don't know, there's a website with a lot more stuff and it's growing. There's show notes for each episode, including a list of all the music cues heard. There's extra notes and videos about every single episode. There's usually photos of the people that I mention as well. Those notes are hopefully a bit of history put together. And there's more, like various playlists for previous episodes like Rage and a YouTube playlist for every damn 90s Australian official film clip that I could find. And yes, music playlists for several episodes and best-ofs that don't exist anymore. Plus, I update small things about these pages all the time. And I would love for this website to remain after the podcast is wrapped. It's a resource. I hope people pilfer from it forever. Which is just to say that Just Ace is more than a podcast. I want to tell the story across different formats. Everyone asks me about doing videos, special episodes, and they're all good ideas. And yes, maybe? But basically I'm saying two things. Check out the website and share the links and enjoy it. But also, any support you give me goes to more than just the podcast. It's for this whole project. The website, you can go check it out. It's at justace90s.com, which is justace90s.com. You can check out links for everything else like Patreon and the tipping service called Buy Me A Coffee and you can buy stuff on Redbubble. You can follow me on social media everywhere on that same username which is JustAce90S. Leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend, sign up to the mailing list, all that stuff. Links are in the description. Oh, and you can email me as well. Okay, that's enough for another week. Next week, we wrap up 1993.